Yo, what's going on, people? Welcome to another episode of Clutch Pod. Happy New Year and them thing there. <laughs> I'm your host, AB. As always, I'm going to be taking you through the Premier League results and NBA news. Obviously, this is the festive period, so there have been a lot of games in a short period of time. Hence, I think we recorded like three pods this week just to wrap up the year. Got shown a lot of love, like a lot of viewers from different parts of the world. Like, I was even surprised, like Spain, Germany. But yeah, big up everyone supporting and promoting and all that stuff, man. And big up all the crew members as well. But yeah, as I said, let's get straight into it. These are the final Premier League fixtures of the year, and some teams ended the year in a horrible fashion. <laughs> let's get started, though, man. So, the big game on Saturday. Liverpool gets Arsenal at Anfield, it ended Liverpool 5, Arsenal 1, another drubbing from Arsenal against a big 16, nah, that, that was a horrible, hor- horrible result for Arsenal, man, 5-1, they just got battered, they took the lead early, Maitland now is getting a goal, that was his first of the season, and I know they had a lot of injuries as well, hence why Lichsteiner was playing right centre back and all them stuff there, Liverpool bounced back quick time, Firmino banged in a hat trick, you know, Roberto Firmino like you know you know your you know your defense is poor when Roberto Firmino scores a hat trick I mean he's been criticized for not scoring recently but you let a man score a hat trick nah man that's poor Salah getting his customary goal Sadio Mane scoring as well another big game demolition from Arsenal man it's it's getting embarrassing man ah oh, that fan base that they've been through a lot man I mean, six nils, eight twos, four nils, four ones, now five ones. This is not a good look, man. It's not a good look at all, bruv. But nah, man. Like a lot of people starting to think whether they've made progress under Emery. In a way, they have, though, man. Losing like that in that fashion, nah, man. That can't be happening against the big teams. Like you can't, you can't switch off like that. Cause that defeat there. It's just tragic because it's the magnitude of it. Like that's that's gonna leave the players shaken and come the next big game they play, or even they could even lose against like uh, Burnley or something like that in the upcoming weeks, whoever they have. Because that that is just shocking, man. Poor poor result, man. I mean, defensively they were a joke. Firmino's second goal, he had like three men on the floor, like. Like, big, big Lucas Torreira, who was supposedly meant to be better than Pogba. Man's all rolling on the ground in that, man. They're letting Firmino look like Messi. Like, it's, it's just embarrassing. I mean, the tackling again in the lead-up to the first and second penalty. It was just poor lack of concentration. We've been saying this a lot on the podcast. Arsenal defensively, they like that leader. They like that person that can control the defence like a Van Dijk used to do. Like uh, a Saul Campbell they used to have back in the day used to do, man. Right now, I'm looking at the defence and they, they just all look washed, man. Kishoni, uh holding uh, Socrates. That they're not, they're not cut out for this lifestyle, man. It's poor. But on the other end of the spectrum, another big game win for Liverpool. Convincing win, 5-1. They're starting, to, they're starting to open up a gap. They're now seven points clear at the top of the table. And I feel like they're starting to believe, like with every result, they're starting to believe that this could possibly be their year and who can blame them they put together a good run of performances scoring loads of goals defensively they look strong and yeah like this title race might be less than one-sided than we thought we thought at the beginning city will run away with it but liverpool have shown that that is not the case we'll just have to see if they can keep it up moving on to another team that was in fine form <laughs> that all came 
crumbling down though. Spurs lost at home against Wolves by three goals to one, having taken the lead. What did I tell you, man, about Wolves? Wolves are the big boy giant killers, you know? How many points have they taken off top six teams? They drew against City, United, they beat Chelsea, they drew to Arsenal, now they've beat Tottenham. I think, I feel like the only the only top six team that's beat them is Liverpool. But yeah, that, that's great for Wolves, man. Big result, especially getting a goal down. Harry Kane putting Spurs into the lead. Who else? That's the 13th goal of the season. But Wolves came battling back. Jimenez scoring. Willie Bully with a bullet header. And Costa scoring as well. Wolves, you have to respect them now. Like They're well, not a big club, but they've cemented, they've cemented their Premier League status. Absolutely, man. Because all these big results against the big teams... Yeah, they do lose now and again, but when they do lose, it's not convincingly. Like teams just edge it. The only team that I have that I can say that's comprehensively beaten Wolves is Liverpool, and they're just a different kettle of fish right now. You can tell by the league table. But now Wolves, credit to them, man. They set up. They know the system they're playing. All the players understand their positions. They have a good chemistry with one another, and I feel like just a little additions to the squad, and they could easily be a top ten. Premier League side cemented like they could be like a solid I don't know like Everton back in the day and that I, I have full faith in them but yes moving on to Tottenham boy bottling it again man I've been saying this it's just in their DNA man like they just can't help it every time Spurs they're one of them teams they build you up to let you down when you need them to win the most that's when they just go and crumble every other time yeah the other nine times you don't really need them, that's when they'll go win 5-0, 6-0, 7-0. And you're thinking, okay, maybe this year will be different. But nah, they're just going to be like that for eternity. That's what I think anyway. They had a great chance to close the gap with Man City. But now, where are they? They're two points behind them. They could have gone a point above them. They could have been, what, six points behind Liverpool. Now they're sitting in third place, nine points off the top that's just it's just poor from them man i don't expect them to get beaten like that especially as they had a great record when scoring first i feel, think it was something like they're unbeaten at home when they've scored first this season boy that that record just let you down man but yeah spurs it's it's not good man it's not good at all like i really i feel like no matter who they bring in they just they're just not gonna win anything this season and I don't think they'll win anything for... I can easily say they won't win anything for the next five, maybe even ten years. Because especially if Pochettino leaves, if Pochettino leaves, then they just have they just have to start from rock bottom. Because I can't see anyone else that's going to come in and steady the ship the way Pochettino's done in the last couple of years. I can't see it at all. Because there's literally no manager out there that can make the players play the way they're playing right now. I feel like they're playing at their capacity. I'm talking about the Canes, the Sons, the Ellies, the Ericsons, all the Wilds, the Tongans. They've all hit their peak. I don't feel like they can improve any further than the way they are now. And it's sad for them because they're not going to go anywhere nice. Alright, cool. They'll make the Champions League, possibly. More than likely, they'll make it. But what? Just to get knocked out in the round of 16 or just edge it out the group stage to get moved to by Bayern Munich or Real Madrid? Like, they're not, they're not an elite team, man. Yes, they do have, right now, probably the best strike in the world, but how long is it going to be before Harry Kane just wakes up when they and thinks, you know what, I actually want to win something. And the big boys will definitely come knocking at the door. The Real Madrid's, the PSG's, the Barcelona's, they will come knocking at the door. So I feel like now is the time for Spurs to win. But as you can see, they're not cut out for it. They just keep bottling it, man. It's just sad because the team has so much potential, but 
I don't know what it is. I feel like they need to see a sports sports psychiatrist or something like that. Cause boy, this is this is beginning to get serious. I won't even lie to you. But on that note, let's keep it moving across London. The game at Selhurst Park last night, Crystal Palace lost at home to Chelsea or goal t- by one goal to nil. My like Angola Kante turned goal scorer, you know. I am happy for him, man. He looks like he's flourishing under this new attacking role, this new Sarri ball role where Jorginho sits and anchors the midfield, leaving Kante. He's got a little free roam position. His goal, if you saw the run he made, yeah, it was an excellent run. It was like, it was one of them, like, you know them Frank Lampard runs when he'll run into the box late and they just pass it to him and just tuck it in. Like, it was one of those goals. No, it was a good goal for him, man. I like Kante, man. He's probably one of the most humble brothers you ever meet in football, like. You never see a man doing a madness. Like, even when he scores, he just he just looks bare chuffed. Like he just looks so happy, man. Good on Kante. But no, it's a good win for Chelsea though, because of late they've had a dodgy record against Crystal Palace. I'll never forget the time when beginning of last season, Crystal Palace, they started the season, what was it? They lost like six games in a row. They didn't even score. Then Chelsea came to Selhurst Park and they beat them like 3-0. So you have to get them dodgy performances out the way. Good 1-0 win. Like they move on, in it? They move on, piling the pressure. I believe right now they're sitting in fourth place. Yep, they are two points away from Tottenham and 11 points off the top. And yeah, that's that's a good win for them, man. They started Giroud up top instead of Morata. I've been calling for this, man. They need to start Giroud up front. I, I feel like he's not respected. He's one of the most disrespected strikers in the Premier League. Because... What this is what you guys need to do, yeah. Go on YouTube and type in Olivier Giroud's goal compilation, yeah. You'll think this guy is messy, bro. The type of goals he scored, yeah. Scorpion kicks, bicycle kicks. Like for a man who's like what six foot one, lacks a lot of pace. He's agile and he's quick on his feet, man. He's got that poacher's instinct. And Morata, we all know he's his Chelsea career has not gone off to a flying start. So they should start Giroud there, man. He needs to be there. But yeah, Palace were poor, man. They were poor all game. Um, they lacked that attacking threat. But against one of the big teams, losing 1-0, I guess is not the worst record in the world. They will have other games that they will target to actually win. But yeah, let's move on. Another game yesterday. Another victory for Oli Solskjaer's Red Army. United beating Bournemouth 4-1 at Old Trafford. Paul Pogba scoring two goals and an assist. Reloaded. Hey, I love this game, man. <laughs> I love this game. Rashford scoring as well. What a goal it was. Lukaku coming off the bench and scoring as well. That should be good for his confidence, man. And yeah, the only downside to that, well, there was two downsides. I almost forgot. Eric Bay just stupidly getting sent off. Someone said he defends like it's the African Cup of Nations semi-final. Hey, that's one of the funniest football tournaments I've ever seen. If if you watch African Cup of Nations, yeah, that is the one tournament you will see anything, bruv. Like the challenges, the goals, the celebrations. It's one of the funniest competitions ever. But yeah, it was just unfortunate for him to get a red card. Straight red. It was a clumsy challenge, man. You're 4-1 up. Just close the game out. Keep possession. Do you want to pass in or whatever. Like, but you don't need to lunge in like that. But yeah, the only other downside I would say is we failed to keep a clean sheet. So the last three games, we won what? 5-1, 4-1 and 3-1. It's just that one goal we keep conceding. But... Obviously, it is a work in progress, man. Defensively, we're, defensively, we're not quite there yet. Attacking lead, the way we're playing is fantastic. Like, look at look at Rashford's assist for Pogba's first goal. Flip, flap, twist up. Nathan Ake put in the box. Bow. Pogba's there. Let me not even get started on Paul Pogba because he's he started this new managerial campaign on fire. What's that? 
four goals and three assists in three games. That's crazy, man. And United, we started to play with that attacking swagger that teams used to fear when playing Old Trafford. Remember back in the day, we used to win games in the tunnel, bruv. You look up, you'll see scores, Ronaldo, Giggs, Beckham, Van Nistelrooy, Rooney's. Like, you know, opposition, they would have felt, raw. like, I'm really not up for it today. Especially the defenders, man. We used to win games in the tunnel. It was a mental thing. But yeah, we're getting back up there. I know a lot of people have been saying we've only played Cardiff, Bournemouth and Huddersfield. So yeah, they're not the hardest of games to start off your managerial career. But at the end of the day, we're winning games and we're winning them well. So that will be a momentum boost for us. But I feel like the real test for us in the Premier League anyway will be the Spurs game when we have to go to Wembley to play them. But <laughs> on current form, the way they played against Wolves, if they ever play like that, then yeah, it should be a comfortable victory. And of course, we've got that big big game in the Champions League against PSG I feel like that will show how far we've come especially under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer we managed to get through that game then yeah it just shows we made a lot of progress but as for now yeah I'll carry on enjoying these easy attacking free football victories we've had next couple of games we've got Newcastle then Reading in the FA Cup so yeah if we can carry on score a bunch of goals and win them next two games it will increase the uh, mood in the change room even more so that's a good game for us we're slyly, slyly trying to close the gap. Right now, we're three points off Arsenal, <laughs> who had a, what, 22-game um, unbeaten streak at the start of the season. Now, we're three points away from them, having started the season the worst in the last 28 years. So, boy, we're also eight points off Chelsea, who's sitting fourth. So, <laughs> can we make a late sneak into the top four? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, man. Anything's possible right now, especially with the last results we've had. Not even just United. The last Premier League results in the last, what, three, four match days, they've been shocking. Like, I don't think anyone would have predicted them. So I can't lie. At this moment in time, we can't rule anything out. Obviously, apart from winning the league. Really? <laughs> we never know. We never know. But yeah, let's move on to the other team located in Manchester. Man City went back to winning ways at St. Mary's, beating Southampton 3-1. But I can't lie. It wasn't a routine result for them, you know. They were on rocks at times. I mean, they took the lead early through David Silva, another goal for him. But then Southampton equalised through Pierre-Emil Hoiberg. I like that guy, man. He's been a decent acquisition for them. Obviously, they got him from Bayern Munich, so you know he has that calibre of playing against top teams. But yeah, I think he even captains them now. So he equalised. So it was a nervy, nervy couple minutes for Man City. But they survived the wave of attacks. They even almost conceded a penalty. I personally thought it was a penalty. But what do I know? <laughs> but yeah, an own goal just in the stroke of half time. Put them 2-1 up. I feel like that knocked the stuffing out of Southampton. Car going into half time 1-1. That would have been a great result for them. But yeah, City came back. And Aguero getting on the score sheet as well. Aguero getting his ninth goal of the season. But yeah, back to winning ways for City. They closed the gap between Liverpool. It's now, it's now seven points. And this just makes the next game they have even more important for them. Next game City have on Thursday is the challenges against the champions. It's Liverpool against Manchester City at the Etihad Stadium. Big, big game for both sides. I feel like a win for Liverpool and what? That takes them 10 points clear at the top. I wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion that they'll win the league because I've seen them be five points clear at the top with three games remaining. And we all know what happened that game against Chelsea. So, yeah. But um, it's, it'll be a huge, huge game. Like, the, snake, the stakes have been raised for that game. So, we'll see. Both teams will definitely be up for it. Me, personally, I don't really know who I want to win because... 
like I said, I'm a United fan, so seeing C or Liverpool win the league, <laughs> I, I couldn't really care less, fam. Yeah, it'll be an exciting game to watch. I just hope it's not another nil-nil as the game was at Anfield. Maybe Mahrez will rule re- re- missing that penalty in the last minute that City had at Anfield in the game early in the season. Let's move on to the other games that, that happened in the last couple of days. On Saturday, Brighton beat Everton 1-0. That was a Locardio goal. That's his second in two games as he scored the equaliser against Arsenal. Then there was a game, there was an eventful game at Craven Cottage. I was there as well. Relegation six-pointer, if you want to call it that. Full of narrowly edged Huddersfield Town 1-0. Who else? Alexander Mitrovic scoring in the 91st minute. That's his eighth goal of the season. But there was drama because Fulham did have a penalty missed. Um, I'll be back at Kamara. I don't know. <laughs> that guy, his Fulham career is done. So obviously what happened was he came off the bench. He won a penalty initially because he kicked the ball into the handoff. I think it was Billing or one of the Huddersfield defenders. Then all of a sudden, I just see him grab the ball and everyone was trying to, you know, cox it out of him, tell him that, look, like, Mitrovic is our man, let him take the penalty. But he was having none of it. He was like, no, I need to score it. I was like, boy. So I was just standing there watching the game. I was thinking, brother, please don't miss. Because he's already caused a ruckus. Like, I think Chambers went to him. Tom Cairn, who's the captain, tried to tell him, look, like, now's not the time. Bearing in mind, this is 82 minutes of a huge game for them. And it's no-no at the moment, isn't it? He was like, nah, nah, I need to take it. He took it, he missed. He missed the penalty. And the fans, they they were not happy that he missed it. They booed him for the rest of the game. Every touch, you would think that he was a harder full player that he used to play for them. But yeah, thank God that my guy, Ryan Sessignon, came off the bench. This guy needs to start for them, man. I don't know why Ranieri is taking him out of the 11. Came off the bench, had a little spark plug. He made one, two runs. Perfect free ball for Mitrovic. And Mitrovic, one-on-one with Losu. You know he's tucking that away. So, yeah, that's a great win for Fulham. That takes them. They're still in the relegation zone, though. They just need a point to get out of the relegation zone. So, that was a crucial, crucial win for them, man. But, yeah, moving on to the other Premier League results. Leicester lost at home to Cardiff City. One goal to nil. Cardiff have been low-key racking up them wins, you know. Camarasa scored a peach of a goal in the 92nd minute. This is what you call clutch. This is what we're here for, man. Right foot set up. Finesse, top left-hand corner. Schmeichel had no chance, man. Great goal for him. Great win for Cardiff. They're slowly trying to get themselves distance between them and the relegation zone. It's good for them. However, I still think they're gone as man. I'm sorry, Cardiff fans. But yeah, the game at Vicarage Road. Watford drew 1-0 to Newcastle. Um, Abdullah Dekore scoring for Watford. And Rondon getting on the score sheet for Newcastle. Yeah, both teams languishing in and around the mid-slash-relegation zones. And the last game on Sunday, Burnley finally got a huge 2-0 victory. That was at home to West Ham. Chris Wood scoring as well. That's a big, big win for them because they lost six of their last seven games. So, yeah, they really needed that win. And, however, they are still languishing in the relegation zone on goal difference. So, I feel like that wraps up the Premier League results. Let's move on to some other stuff, man. Let's move on to some other things. Obviously, looking into the new year. There's some big fixtures for some big sides. We'll have to see if Liverpool can keep up, whether Man City can catch them and win the league as most people expected in the beginning of the season. And um, there was a bit of transfer news that came in the other day. Bayern Munich, they've been actively trying to pursue Chelsea's young 
English starlet Callum Hudson Odoi plays on either flank, left or right. He's only managed a couple of appearances this season off the bench and he's looked lively, man. He's got a little pace on him, got a bit of a cross. But yeah, so Bayern Munich are trying to acquire him. You know, Bayern Munich, they've been trying to replace their veteran wingers, Iron Robin, the one-trick pony, and Frank Ribery. Yeah, who are both who both have a combined aims of like seventy something. Like that's crazy because they're still playing at the top level. Like good on them. So yeah, they're they're trying to get Callum Hudson or Doy from Chelsea. They had a twenty million pound bid rejected. Chelsea said they want forty. This is what I don't understand. Like why English players are so overpriced, especially young English players. Like the brother's eighteen. I don't think he's even scored a, a goal in the Premier League for Chelsea. I know he scored in the Carabao Cup a couple times, but yeah 40 million pounds for a guy you don't even play like it doesn't make any sense to me but it's their player he can set the price tag whatever it is um yeah whether or not he will move to Bayern we'll have to wait and see a lot of people have been saying even if he does move to Bayern he's not going to get a lot of game time because obviously it's Bayern Munich but I feel like he'll get more game time than he does at Chelsea man because Bayern Munich they need to replace Robin and Ribery anyway at least I think Ribery said he's leaving at the end of the season and um, one player you want to look to, especially in the Bundesliga, who's been given the chance to flourish, English talent, is Jadon Sancho. Because he's been doing a lot of stuff, man. He's playing really well, scoring goals, assists. Like, I've seen his flair, trickery. He's doing all sorts of stuff in the Bundesliga. And I, and I know Hudson Odoi is probably looking at thinking, right, like, I could be doing that at Bayern. So, yeah. And I'd like to see more English players moved across Europe to play football or even across the world to play football because... I think England is one of the only teams who most of their players actually play in England. And it's nice to see uh, players actually take that risk and be like, yeah, let me go try my chances in Europe. I feel like that could improve the England team as well. But yeah, so we'll have to wait and see whether Bayern Munich do get him in the end and whether they do end up meeting Chelsea's asking price of 40 million. Obviously, the January transfer window opening tomorrow. A lot of people forget that because it's New Year's. But nah, man, football still has to go on. But yeah, let's look to a couple more fixtures that's around the New Year time. Man City at home to Liverpool. There are some games on New Year's Day as well. Also at home to Fulham. We'll see if they can bounce back against a Fulham side rejuvenated by their 1-0 victory against Huddersfield. And the other top six sides that play on the second Newcastle at St. James's Park host Manchester United. We'll see if Solskjaer can make it four wins in a row and possibly keep his first clean sheet. Hopefully, rumours that Alexis Sanchez is fit from injury. So we'll be excited to see how he plays under the new rejuvenated system. Chelsea at home to Southampton. And yeah, on the third, Man City play Liverpool. So yeah, I feel like that's it for the football segment will be back after those games so next week and yeah what i want to say is happy new year everyone don't forget to follow us on the tour at clutch underscore pod moving on to the nba segment now like i'm james harden all right this is the right time to use that song as well okay you've been straight up balling but yeah let's kick off the nba segment with news from the state capital washington wizards not so much good news for them man all-star point guard john wool he's out for the rest of the season he's undergoing season ending surgery on his left heel so that's a big l for the wizards man john wool he's had these problems with injury only limited he only played like what 43 games last season now his season is ending just before the new year this season 
And that's a big, big blow for the Wizards, man. I mean, obviously, we all know he's the leader of their team. Shout out Bradley Bildocker. He held it down while he was injured. But still, man, that's a big, big loss for the Wizards team who were only just recently getting back on their feet. They started the season horrendously, man. Made a big trade. Obviously, got Trevor Ariza. They're still outside the playoff positions, though, sitting 11th in the East. Their record's 14 and 23. And now they're missing their star point guard. Boy, this is it's sad news, man, because John Wall, we all know the type of contract he's going to be earning. So in t- 2022, this guy's going to be sitting on 44 mil a year. And you have, you have to be playing, man. You can't be injured at this time, man. And I feel like the Wizards without John Wall, <laughs> are they a playoff team in the East? Boy, I don't know, because a few teams in the East have been boiling. Like, I don't even see them beating Detroit in the playoff series. But... Yeah, that's their second player who's out for the season. Dwight Howard, he barely even dribbled a ball this season. But yeah, he's out for the season and now John Wall. So it's just, it's all left on Bradley Bill's shoulders. Can he deliver? I feel like he can, but to take them to a playoff spot, we'll just have to wait and see. So yeah, that's what's the news that's coming in from the capital. Keeping it moving though. Obviously, LeBron James the other day celebrated his 34th birthday. Happy birthday to him. And he reopened the GOAT debate as always claiming that he became the GOAT when he beat the Warriors the 73 and 9 Warriors in the NBA Finals as for that boy I don't want to give my input on that I'm just going to leave it to the listeners if you think that he's better than Jordan then yeah that's you're entitled to your opinion you think Jordan's better than him then as I said before you're entitled to your opinion isn't it but I feel like all this claiming that you're the goat like you called yourself the king all this stuff like i don't know to me it's a bit it's a bit like cringe to watch man i feel like if you're right, cool you're one of the best players in the world we all know this you've been at the top we all know this you're the face of the nba we all know this mvp like the accolades go on and on and on and on and on yeah but i feel like you just screaming that you're the goat you're the goat you're the goat like just leave it to the general public to make that decision if you're just stuffing it in their faces they're gonna think that right this guy the last thing you want to be known as is cocky or arrogant or anything like that we all know lebron's not like that car we all know the sacrifices and the legacies and all of that that he holds so yeah man let's see if he can guide this lakers team to uh nba championships though that's what i really want to happen do a quick nba stat check we haven't done this in a little while Leading the league in points per game is the beard. James Harden averaging 33 points per game. Second is KD. He's averaging 28.6. AD averaging 28.5. Steph 28.5 as well. And the king, LeBron James, got 27.3 points per game. In the rebounding category, big man Andre Drummond, 15.3 rebounds per game. He's been leading the league in rebounds for a while. I think like since the second week in the season. Next, DeAndre Jordan, 14.3. Next, Joel, the process, Embiid, averaging 13 and three, 13.3 rebounds per game. Then Anthony Davis with 13. And Hassan Whiteside, averaging 12.8 boards per game. Onto assists per game, Russell Westbrook, averaging 10.1 assists per game. Missed the triple-double. Can he do it for a third year in a row? I'm rooting for him, are you? Second, Kyle Lowry. 9.8 assists per game. Obviously, Toronto, they've just been balling, but they're now sitting second in the East. I'm going to come up to that shortly. 
John Wall, who's obviously out for the season, so it's going to stay like this. He's averaging 8.7 assists per game. Drew Holiday, 8.7 assists assist a game. And James Harden tops the top five with 8.2 assists per game. Let's go on to steals. Russell Westbrook at the top of that as well. 2.7 steals. His fellow teammate Paul George, 2.2 steals. Jimmy Butler, 2.1. And the four and fifth position are James Harden and Chris Paul also have 2.2 steals per game. On to blocks now. Big up Miles Turner and the Pacers, 2.8 blocks, 2.8 blocks per game. Anthony Davis got 2.6. Hassan Whiteside got 2.6. JaVel McGee, he's been in and around the top five in blocks the whole season, basically. He's averaging two and a half blocks per game. And Rudy Gobert, the reigning defensive player of the year, averaging 2.1 blocks per game. But yeah, so that's it. Um, one thing I want to talk about is the hotly anticipated MVP race. Um, right now, for me, my MVP, or like my MVP is probably Yanis. In terms of value, he's leading in his team in points, rebounds, and assists per game. He is averaging, what, 26, 13, and 6, putting up monster numbers, triple doubles. I think he's got, like, two this season as well. The Bucks right now sitting top in the East, got a 25 and 10 record. Toronto sitting in second. And I did say, whatever team wins the East, yeah, out of Toronto and um, the Bucks, I feel like their All-Stars should win MVP. So I feel like second in the race is probably Kawhi. But he he needs to prove his fitness though because he hasn't played back-to-backs all season. And yeah, he needs to show that he's still fit if he wants to win MVP. He's averaging 26, 8 and 3. One player who I'm starting to put out of my MVP race is um, Anthony Davis. We all know the numbers he's been putting up. But I can't lie, the way the Pelicans are sitting in the West, they're looking like they might not even make playoffs. And if they don't make players playoffs, that's going to seriously hamper his MVP credentials because you can't win MVP and not make playoffs, man. They have the second worst record in the West right now behind the Phoenix Suns and 16 and 21. Like, it's, it's just not good enough. If you're MVP caliber, you need to at least jack your team to playoffs, no matter who's around you, man. You need to. Like, I know the West is tough, but... That that being said, though, a couple win, couple wins in a row, they could be sitting in like what fifth seed. But yeah, as for now, I'm putting him out of the M- not out of the MVP race because he's putting up MVP numbers. I mean, he's averaging what 28, 13, and five. Like those are MVP numbers, but his team is not playing at a at a good way for you to be for you to say he's the MVP because you have to show your value to the team and if your value to the team is carrying them to a 14th seed position in their West then now you have to miss me with that MVP talk because it's just not good enough man um, one team I want to talk about though the Indiana Pacers they've silently just been doing their thing man sitting third in the East right now their record is 24 and 12 we all know they have a bona fide star in Victor Oladipo they got a they got good prospects coming off the bench. I mean, Domantas Sabonis, he's a nice brother. I like him a lot. He's averaging 15, 10, and 3 off the bench. Solid numbers. Six man of the year numbers. So, yeah, they got the Ola Depots. Miles Turner, he's been doing putting up numbers as well. Right now, he's averaging 13, 7, and 2. But he's, he, as, a, as I said before, he's leading the league in blocks with 2.8 a game. So, that's good for him. Pacers, the only question I'll have about them is, do they have playoff pedigree? Like, can they win a playoff series? I can see them winning a playoff series. Right now, they're sitting in third. That means they'll take on the Charlotte Hornets if the playoffs was today. 
Um, I feel like the seedings will change, though. I do feel like the Sixers will get a top three finish in the East. So we'll have to see whether or not the Pacers will win a playoff series. But yeah, they're sitting nice, third in the East. Shout out Victor Oladipo as well. Right now, he's averaging what twenty six and five. So yeah, they're they're doing well in the East. They're going they're going strong. Of course, it wouldn't be on podcast if I don't talk about my Sixers. So <laughs> last night, seventy sixes, they were just blowing out the building in Portland at the Motor Center. They lost ninety five to one hundred and twenty nine. Bitterly, bitterly disappointing performance. They were the I think the score at halftime was like. 4170 or something like that. I just turned off the TV. Um, we had no Joel Embiid, he had a knee soreness or something like that. It wasn't listed as serious, so he should be back. Of course, we all know he missed the first two years of his NBA career through injury, so I don't expect him to play 82 games straight away. He's gonna miss the odd game here and there, so he's only missed two this season, so that's not bad considering we played 37 games. So, yes, as soon as I found out, I knew, like, the L was incoming. Jimmy Butler shot 2 for 12 from the field. He had a rough, rough night. JJ Reddick shot 3 from 11, 2 for 7 from 3. I mean, it was just a poor performance. These guys dropped 16 points altogether. We had Amir Johnson starting at centre, so you knew the L was incoming. But shout out CJ McCollum, though. He was cooking. I think he dropped, like, 17 in the first quarter. Ended up dropping 35, 3 and 3. Shot 72% from the field 57% from free so he uh, he had a good night Damian Lillard only dropped 15 so yeah he really carried that team to that victory yesterday Portland Trailblazers they're sitting right now 7th in the west so it's not the best position but like I said the way the west is right now you win two games on the trot and you're sitting in third you might you might even be touching the Warriors record but yeah so that's a good W for them 76ers end their west coast road trip against the Suns but we still got to play the Clippers and yeah one thing that's alarming though that a lot of people have really caught on to is their bench their lack of bench depth is ridiculous um they really need to think about acquiring someone through a trade or even trying to draw some marquee free agents it'll be interesting to see where Kevin Durant goes because he's been screaming that no team can try and draw him because he he'll play anywhere. <laughs> he might even end up in Utah or somewhere like that. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be very interesting to see where he goes, whether or not Jimmy Butler does resign with the Sixers. And yeah, whatever what other marquee free agents will resign or move on. But yeah, so current standards in the West is as you were, Nuggets still leading in the West. Shout out them. Their record is twenty three and eleven. They, yeah, they've been putting together good Ws. They just waved Nick Young, <laughs> Saggy P. Why do they have to do it like that, man? <laughs> in the East, as I said before, the Bucks, they've taken over the Raptors. They're sitting top in the East with a 25-10 and 10 record. But yeah, as for now, I think that wraps up the NBA segment of the pod. Um, as I said, Happy New Year. Hopefully, Clutch Pod, this is the year we really begin to take off clutch season don't forget to follow us on twitter at clutch underscore pod and yeah we'll be back next week yeah.